Welcome to Four Speed Ahead. I'm Craig Fuller here with Pat Martin. Pat, you've got a really a, a big background uh, in the trucking business, but you also have started a new venture fund. Would love to hear about that. Tell us a little bit about what is keeping you busy in all of the roles that you play in this industry. Yeah, thanks for having me, Craig. Um, I would say that, you know, probably 2010, I got really excited about uh, freight tech wasn't even really a term then. But by 2016, I was probably doing some crazy things and investing in, you know, of all things, startups. And in particular, software being sold to shippers, carriers, and 3PLs. And then thought, you know, I would invest in where I felt like I could really help. You know, that's where I'd make those investments. And, you know, it's been really seven years of a lot of fun. We've had a few exits and good ones. And so I decided to, well... Go ahead and take that jump and uh, start a venture capital firm. And so we raised a small fund, $5.4 million to start out. Uh, had a lot of interest in that. And it ended up uh, fund two being $35 million. Uh, so all of a sudden, we were in the game. Um, kind of what's been fun about it is a lot of the guys I've connected with over the 20-some years in this business uh, are all the LPs. So it's a supply chain fund pure play logistics with, you know, the, the people that I believe, you know, 38 people, most of them, which are driving or shaping a lot of the trends in this industry. So uh, just a lot of fun and, uh, you know, a bright future and probably two or three decades of automation going to happen to this industry. So it's exciting. So Venture 53 is the fund that we're talking specifically about, which is a freight tech oriented fund. But it sort of spun out of your role in the trucking business at one of the large LTL carriers. Yeah. Um, so I've spent 21 years at the same company, Estes Express Lines. I'm our corporate VP of sales and, you know, responsible for all sales at Estes across the LTL company is in the strategies of our other, you know, subsidiaries. Um, so, you know, I just saw so many trends and have so many connections and have spent so much time uh, in this industry, it was, you know, it was exciting for me to uh, be able to just kind of connect a bunch of dots because what these entrepreneurs really need is help. And, you know, that's where I've spent my life the last 21 years is, in, you know, talking to shippers and talking to third parties and spending time with carriers. And uh, so it's a, you know, kind of a full circle, but uh, a lot of fun. So when you invest in companies or have historically invested in the companies, particularly the first fund when you guys first got into it, I imagine it was invested in companies that solved problems that you guys saw at Estes. Is that sort of the original concept behind the investment arm? So I would say I, I would see these problems and they would apply to um, Estes for sure, right? Um, like the first fund that uh, we did, we invested in My Carrier, Edre, and Emerge. And those are companies that are solving problems. Like we use Emerge in our line haul group at Estes uh, on the purchase transportation side. Um, My Carrier is a partner with Estes now. Um, you know, Edre's not, but Edre solves a really complicated problem, you know, on the drayage side. So when you see these problems, um, there's no question that there's a parallel to, you know, there are the pro some of those are problems that Estes will be facing. So, um, you know, I would say, yeah, for sure. 
You also invested in Trucker Tools, which had an exit last year. Yeah, we invested with uh, old Prasad Galopoli over there, which was uh, an amazing run. I mean, you know, you think about why you do some of the things you do in life. Um, you know, I've had a pretty decent career along the way. But, you know, when you exit out of something like Trucker Tools and you get those large checks, I was way more excited for Prasad than I was for myself. I mean, when I met Prasad, he had a fiance in India. Um, he was down to his last penny trying to build this thing. And over the last few years, uh, really it took about five years. Um, now he's married and he has a beautiful child and, uh, doing great. I mean, his wife's here. It's just, uh, he's a multimillionaire with an exit, which, you know, there's a lot of millionaires in freight, but it's even rare or it's, it's rare to find folks that have been in venture capital backed freight tech that have actually successfully exited a business. Prasad is one of those, one of those folks that actually has seen, seen it to fruition. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, very, very interesting product. I mean, you think about like today, I would say supply chains, the most fragmented industry there is. We're not even really at visibility yet. So you start fast forwarding over the next five, 10, 15, 20 years this connect your concept of connected supply chain becomes a reality and it's you know in my mind completely disconnected today i mean p44 is doing a great job out there you know building that thin layer of visibility but there's really not good visibility to everything today much less any real uh, you know automation or machine learning ai being used at any scale um so it's a you know i like to call it a modern day gold rush because you know, we'll, we'll look people, you know, the next generations well into the future, we'll look back on the time we're in right now and say, wow, life changed more than it's ever changed in the time we're living right now. I mean, I really think it's the industrial revolution or whatever they call these things of the past. They're going to name this time something, age of the Internet or whatever. But this is an exciting time where there's going to be so much change in the next in our industry and in, in, in the next you know, one, two, five, 10, 15, 20 years. So Pat, I think Steve Case calls that the third wave and the, the wave that we're currently in. If you think about the evolution of the internet, the first wave was AOL, which he was a part of sort of bringing everybody online. The second was big data, social media, Google and Facebook and Twitter all sort of came out of that generation. And now we're in the third wave, which is bringing the analog economy, the brick and mortar economy into the digital age, which supply chain is by definition a participant in the analog economy. I mean, it you still have to move freight from point A to point B, and it still requires manual work, even if it's digitized. And that's really the power that's going on with supply chain. I'm interested in sort of getting your take. So you developed this fund, sort of spun out of what you saw at Estes, Venture 53, that there is some relevance to that name. Tell us a little bit about how you came up with the name. <laughs> so my partner in Venture 53 is a gentleman named Dan White, who's chief of new revenue streams at Coca-Cola. And he's one of the most creative marketing guys I've ever met. I mean, I think he's a genius. Um, and so he came up with that name. And the 53 is the longest trailer that you can put on the road. And so it's Venture 3. So, Pat, one of the things you've mentioned at Venture 53 is not only do you have 
uh, folks and executives that have come from the industry at Estes and others that have been a part of forming this organization. You also have brought in an impressive group of founders that are in that sort of first venture generation in innovating freight tech. Tell us a little bit about that group. Yeah, so really a lot of the folks that are LPs in Venture 53 are friends of mine. You know, they're guys that have uh, been in the freight industry a long time. Uh, and like you said, they've, they've done the startups, they've had exits, they've done things. But they're guys like Andrew Leto, Jet McCandless, uh, Jack Holmes, Rob Estes, some of his family members. But it's a whole collective group of uh, 38 of us. Um, and they're, you know... 3PLs, carriers, shippers. It's it's a uh, really, really interesting network of people. Um, and the reason for that is you go back to my thesis in the beginning. It was let's invest in entrepreneurs who sell software to shippers, carriers, or 3PLs, and then invest only in the ones I believe I can really help. By building this LP network of transportation people, and it goes well beyond into guys into uh, you know, the brand names of the 3PLs and truckload brokers. Um, but what we have now is a network of people uh, that can help. And so whether it's mentoring them, whether it's helping them, connecting them to shippers, carriers or third parties or uh, providing marketing support, build sales distribution models. Um, that's really the, the power of Venture 53 is to kind of shorten that learning curve for entrepreneurs in this space because, what I see most of the time, entrepreneurs are pretty good at finding software. They're pretty good at building it. They're pretty good at market fit. There's a lot of things headed in the right direction for them, but they don't know how to build a sales team or they don't know how to really scale that business or they don't market well. Um, not all of them, uh, but I would say most of them struggle in that category. And so that's kind of the gap that I see being filled by Venture 53 is we're a venture capital firm that offers some real assistance with some expertise in supply chain. And I don't really see that out there today. You know, it's interesting when I look at, I, I'm also, in terms of disclosure, an LP in the fund and, and certainly excited to be a part of it. When I look at not only the LPs that you brought in, but also the, the some of the portfolio companies you guys are working with. And I, and I know a lot of VCs being a venture-backed company, but also talking to a lot of venture capitalists that we cover in our media business is there seems to be a more common trend among the portfolio companies that you guys have backed, that I've identified, are you, you actually have in, invested in more seasoned freight and logistics founders than what you see with a lot of other venture funds that are not tied to the industry. I'm curious, is that a deal flow element where you're getting those types of deals referred through your LPs and your own networks? Is it because of your experience at Estes and perhaps some of the other companies participate? Or is it by intention that you're seeking out founders that understand the freight tech space? Yeah, intentionally, we're seeking out founders that know this space. Uh, that shortens the learning curve in a big way. Um, but it's a bit of both, you know. Um, I would say there's, there's a couple of things. The first one would be, yeah, let's get some seasoned founders that we believe understand supply chain. Number two would be, okay, they're entrepreneurs who understand tech see a real problem in supply chain, but don't have the connections, don't have a lot of the things they need to have to uh, really scale quickly. Um, the third thing would be when you look at some of these companies that may be approaching their A rounds, they have pretty good tech, they have a little bit of traction, and they have some movement, 
but we believe we can accelerate them like they've never been accelerated. Um, so we participate in some later stage stuff too. But I would say 80% of what we do will be that earlier seed stage stuff. So are you actually funding companies that are pre-product, pre-revenue, or is it typically after they've sort of designed the product and maybe have that first set of customers? So I would say 90% of it, 95% of it, they've already got a product. Um, they're just early. Um, we have no one in our portfolio today that started with nothing, but we're in talks right now with a couple that we will likely invest in that really don't have product built, but they have a really good idea. And so those are some things we've been, like I've been watching for uh, not just a few months, but for a long time. And they've been thinking about this and doing it. Uh, but it's really slow and completely stealth, uh, I think can be some game changers. Yeah, the risks are really high because they have to get off the ground. But um, as anyone who, you know, we were pre-product and pre-revenue at Freightways when our first institutional investor, Venture Capital, came in. And it was They've only done two sort of pre-revenue or pre-product investments where we're a top portfolio because they were willing to make the bet when no one else was. The problem is it could have easily has gone south. I often say serendipity is as important in business as is the founder's idea and the product. And luckily, you know, the gods of freight tech shined on us and, and we made it work. But it certainly, you know, it wasn't an obvious case for so many people in those earliest days. So, Pat, when you look at founders that you're backing, what are the common traits beyond an understanding of the market that you really look for? Yeah, so the, I mean, that's a, a huge question, right? Because to me, it's one of the most important things. Because well, it really, what we're betting on is the entrepreneur. Um, and so, you know, I always say this: there's some entrepreneurs who are really good at running companies, but if you look at most good entrepreneurs, someone else is really running the day-to-day -day operations of the company. They're smart enough to know, you know, my forte is not doing all of this stuff. They're great visionaries. They're great at product. They're great at some things, but running a company is very different than having an idea, starting a company and thinking you can run a company. I mean, there are very few people uh, that I think can run companies real well that found them. You know, they're smart enough to put that senior leader in place to run that business. So uh, I'm really looking for the guys that are smart enough to know that, right? And don't want to try to take on too much because uh, you can get you know, out of the rails really, really quickly. Um, the other interesting thing I would say, too, about the earlier stuff is the exits that we've had so far uh, on the angel side. Um, I would say that there's probably not a venture capitalist in the world that would have invested in those companies. Like when you look at do, doing due diligence, and looking at what they're doing, how they're doing it, you probably would take a pass, which every venture capital firm did on those companies. But that's what's unique about Venture 53 is a company that may not be heading in the right direction, you know, being able to tap into this industry and be, be, being really connected to what's going on in this industry and the people of this industry and who are shaping the trends of this industry, uh, it's a game changer. Um, now, I'll say this, other than supply chain, we know nothing. <laughs> so we can't help anybody except in supply chain. So you're staying strictly in supply chain, uh, hence the focus, which is a massively big market and quite expansive. I am curious, though, there's been a lot of new products that have entered the market. And 
But over time, we start to see common trends. I mean, unfortunately, one of the features of supply chain is that it's a massive market with a lot of little tuck-in niches. But over time, to an outsider, solutions start to sound very similar. You have payment companies that are dealing with payment, built free bill and audit. You have automation companies. You have visibility companies. Where do you think there's opportunity that you're excited about that maybe isn't currently staked out? You know, Venture 53 is a seven-year fund. A lot of other funds are 10-year funds. So some of our competitors out there are looking longer term. We're looking a little shorter term. But longer term, you know, there's certainly uh, robotics, you know, robots in the warehouses that, that you see now that aren't really perfected. Um, I see that. I do see autonomous trucking one day. I don't think that's coming anytime soon. Um, but there's a lot out there. Um, I would say the the thing that I'm most excited about would be the stuff around real artificial intelligence and machine learning and how you actually use that data and using robotics and things like that to make humans more efficient um, before we're starting to replace people. Um, I think we make them more efficient first as we tend to go down that path of automation, which you and I know is going to take a long time in this industry. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's for some of the more speculative lottery ticket type investors. Like it makes sense that Google has launched Waymo and, you know, even some of the SPACs that are highly speculative, someone could make a bet that's 10 years out. Now, whether or not those end up making it, these are again, pre-product, pre-revenue companies that actually require lots of capital. We talk about the risk profile. It's very substantial someone's going to make an enormous amount of money by getting that right. It just may not be you and I, Pat, because we're I'm certainly not invested in autonomous trucks. It sounds like you're about some time out. But I am curious, the things that you're most excited about, when you look at what you're currently invested in or would like to invest in, what are some of the trends that you really are, are truly bullish on? So the final miles segment is a super exciting segment to me. It's that and drayage are the two most fragmented things uh, out there, along with truckload, right? So when you start looking at markets, um, you know, who would you point to as the greatest final mile carrier there is out there? And, you know, I think if we ask 10 different people in the industry, you'd probably get 10 different answers. So, you know, I look at UPS and FedEx and how they do business today from a parcel side. I think that gets disrupted in the future. Yeah, they have big networks, but they're also big fixed cost networks. And so I'm bullish on these gig economy drivers that are out there delivering freight. Uh, very, very big on that. So, you know, we've got uh, four different kind of final mile companies in our portfolio, um, more complementary than competitive. Uh, but I'm excited about that space. Um, I'm excited about... Um, I guess when you think about it, like from a, a early stage side, I'm excited about that AI and machine learning that I mentioned before. I'm really close to a couple of companies who are eventually going to come out and start raising some money that are solving some real problems. I'm interested in that. But I'm also interested in anything that makes companies' lives easier and more efficient and are easy to implement and easy to onboard. And the value proposition is really, really clear. So it spans so many different little things. Um, it's finding those niches that solve real problems. And they can be simple 
or they can be very complicated, but they have to solve a problem and they have to be a shorter selling cycle and they have to be uh, something that can be onboarded quickly, you know, get value quickly. Uh, you know, it's those kind of things that are easier decisions for people to make when they're buying software. If it's, if it's complicated, it's going to take a while. If it's going to take a while, it's hard to scale. Yeah, Pat, just so our listeners are aware of what's happening in the background, you're not in a warehouse. You're also not in the middle of downtown Chicago getting shot. Uh, you're at an airport waiting for a flight. Yep, so I'm in Orlando. I've been uh, out on the road for three days visiting terminals, uh, doing state-of-the-company addresses and spending time with drivers and dock workers and the clerical staff and uh, headed back to Richmond. Uh, let's see, it's 1.14, so I got a 2.30 flight. Uh, so I'll be headed back to Richmond and back at it tomorrow. And I apologize for the noise. This is the most quiet place I could possibly find in this airport in Terminal C. Well, Orlando is a busy airport this time of year, so it's uh, it makes sense. Well, appreciate you coming in to join us today. I do have a couple more questions before you go. What has Silicon Valley gotten wrong in the investment thesis that they've made, in your opinion? So they've been at it for really, we'll say, eight years actively investing since 2014. Where have they placed some bets that you think are not going to work out? Well, I mean, I would say that logistics, supply chain, whatever you want to call it, is still so relationship-based. I mean, when you go, like if you're a salesperson calling on shippers, carriers, or 3PLs, you think about the amount of information that's coming at them today in terms of email, phone calls, uh, texts, uh, social media stuff, advertisements. I mean, you see it, I'm sure, sitting in your chair every day. You don't open a fraction of what's sent to you, and you don't answer the phone call, and you don't do a lot of things. You're hard to get to if you're a decision maker today and just building technology in uh, even great technology and brilliant stuff. If it's not easy and you, I mean, first of all, getting to the decision maker is harder today than it's ever been. And there's just no easy way to do that. And so, you know, I think maybe what some of them have gotten wrong is they underestimated just how relationship-based this industry is and what being connected to it really means. Because the, the ability to accelerate and scale, you know, it, it, it's, it, it comes from people you know and people you trust. And, you know, like this isn't really the Facebook world where it's a big word of mouth and everybody's, everybody's doing this now. I mean, you've got to sit in front of people and share your story and explain why things work and you know, how much they cost. And, you know, there's so many processes in transportation decision-making, you know, calling on the bottom all the way up to the top. And how do you get there? It, it, it's not simple. And they're just not going to stumble upon your stuff and click and all of a sudden change the way they're doing business because there's some slick technology out there. It's, it's, gonna, it's more complicated than that, in my opinion. You know, when you think about the most successful founders in his business, and I think this is what defines supply chain, you touched on it. We talked about it, the fact that you back founders that have been a part of the industry. One of the most common, and it, there's a couple of exceptions to this, where you do have a founder that's not from the industry. You know, Dan Lewis comes to mind at Convoy or Ryan Peterson at Flexport. But Ryan, you know, he was involved in some technology prior and Dan was involved at Amazon prior. So he had some exposure. But for the most part, 
a lot of the founders that have had real success in supply chain have been in this industry and have sort of grown up in it. I mean, Jet is one of those. Andrew Leto is one of those where they actually have been in the industry. Prasad is another one who have been in it. I think we can go through the list, but the ones that have really had breakout success of real building real foundational businesses have actually come from this industry. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with you totally. You know, and uh, a lot of these guys that have had this success have been buddies of mine for a long time, right? And I watched them build these companies, you know, and really in a lot of ways, I envy what they do. I don't think I could do what they do, right? They are impressive, impressive people that have a lot of grit and they pivot and they move and they keep going. But I think you're right. It is a lot of supply chain people. And I think, you know, for us at Venture 53, as we move forward, our goal is to, you know, we're 38 of those people that shape the industry today. I'd like to see us in a couple of years, over 100 of those people in our network. Um, And we have 100 people in our network like that. Uh, They're not LPs yet, right? So... I'm sure you have a list of folks you're targeting. We do know that uh, folks do tune into uh, these conversations. So hopefully uh, someone who wants to be an LP that's active in the space and wants to back founders that actually understand the logistics business. Because again, I think that is a very important uh, delta or differentiator between successful founders in this space and, and businesses that may have been able to raise a lot of money but may not be able to achieve the goals that they set out to achieve in terms of exiting. Yeah, I agree. And I think this uh, in transportation, and, and mind you, it's very specific for us, software being sold to shippers, carriers, and 3PLs, right? But in that space, which is a big space, you know, it's all about uh, growing and accelerating the business and, and building sales distribution models and marketing and really connecting to customers quickly and you know, it's less about the capital. I mean, you know, our check size is between 500K and 3 million. We're not a huge fund. We're looking for those earlier seed stage companies. Um, but capital to me is capital. And that's the, the money's not, you know, the money that Venture 53 gives them is not going to be what helps them be successful. It's going to be what we do behind the scenes that really helps them. And that's where we're really just getting started at Venture 53. But I imagine, you know, this being December of 2022 and somebody watching this a year from now may not understand the context. I just want to put context to when it's at. We think about what's happening right now in the freight market. It's been a challenging market this year, continues to be challenging. This quarter certainly has been one of the most challenging quarters in many, many years and, and maybe in the last decade. And we're about to enter an even tougher quarter next year just because of the way the calendar rolls over. I'm curious, when you when you talk to founders that are in that early part of their business, are they feeling the pain in terms of feeling the pressures or are they somewhat, because they're so small and so early and so new, are they somewhat insulated from those trends? So they're a little bit insulated from those trends with the exception of they have to be careful how they manage their cash flow, right? So they need runway to build their business. And so if they're burning too much cash, that's a problem. Right. So you don't want to ever run out of money. That's the number one job of these founders. But if you look at like third quarter venture stuff, you know, the the deals being done are down by 50 percent. You know, they're, they're half the deals done uh, versus a year ago. And the portfolios, you know, of those deals are the uh, valuations on that are probably down 70 percent. 
So you look at what's happening, uh, more realistic valuations are coming into play. I think venture capital will be more interested in a path to profitability in the future, which doesn't bode well for the Silicon Valley folks we talked about before. Um, and the unit economics of the business, you know, they, they have to make sense. Um, so I would say supply chain tech is the least impacted of all that venture stuff. Um, and the, the folks that are in early in that seed early, you know, been in business one, two, three or four years, uh, they're much less impacted. Uh, but it's definitely different. And um, I would say that, you know, thinking about building a profitable business tomorrow is way more important than how we looked at it over the last you know, five, 10 years. You know, if you have the right founder, the great thing about that stage of being a business is that you can become a cockroach. You can basically cut all of your burn, get a couple of people. And this is when, this is when you find out who really cares about the business and the mission. When you go to those folks, and we had to do it at Freight Waves a couple of times in the earliest days. I can't, like we're having problems cutting, you know, making payroll if we don't control our burn and asking for folks to contribute to that, asking, you don't want to do that. It's typically a last resort. But I remember there's been at least on two different occasions, maybe three in our earliest days at Freightways, where I had to go to some of my senior management and say, hey, I know we agreed to the salary, but I've cut mine to zero and I need you to, can you make a contribution? It's not ideal, but I learned really quickly who was in it for the long term and who wasn't. And those folks that actually contributed have benefited mightily because they got stock and they got their old salaries back plus some. And it really demonstrated, I think, a long-term commitment to the business. And I've never forgotten that. I mean, it's it's a formative deal, but this is an important time for founders to, if you have to do that, to really know who's on your team long-term. Because if you don't, I think you're carrying a lot of weight that you're not going to need. One of the things I always caution founders that reach out when they or having a, a layoff or a reduction in force or having to make tough decisions, I always remind them, and then because they want the perspective of a media person, what is this going to mean? What are people going to think? What are the rumors? They're like, look, yeah, for a couple of weeks, it's going to be a short-term blowback. But in three to four weeks, there'll be a new story, a new company to talk about, and everyone will have forgotten about that challenge. So go ahead, take the action. And it's as a young company with not a lot to lose, uh, you know, might as well make those changes now. Yeah, the smart companies are doing just that, and they're doing it right now. I mean, I would say starting, what do you figure? The We started moving into a freight recession, I would call it, like March of this year. I mean, I could see it beginning to go down, you know, and it's not, it depends on kind of what side of the business you're on. But So, Pat, you know, it's a challenging market, freight recession, you know, happened earlier this year. It's going to be interesting what happens over the next couple of months uh, and over the next year as we see what happens. I'm sure that you guys will be there to support your founders. I'm sure that new founders looking for capital. It's a great time for them to think about additional capital and consider Venture 53 as a destination. Yeah, for sure. We've um, spent you know, $11 million of that $35 million we raised. So we have plenty of capital left. And I think there'll be a lot of opportunities over the next couple of months. And um, you know, when times are tough, that's when you really need the power of a network to really help you. So that's what we want to do for founders um, and eventually be known as the VC firm in supply chain. That if you're an entrepreneur in this space, Venture 53 is going to be one of the stops you want to make because we can help you. And so uh, that's what we love to do. 
And uh, we look forward to doing that with a whole bunch of people. So exciting times ahead for sure. And whatever it brings us, you know, from an economic standpoint, we'll just get through it like we always do. It's just what you got to do. Well, Pat, appreciate your time today and best of luck catching your flight and closing out the year. Uh, and best of luck to your portfolio companies uh, as they sort of navigate these uh, changing uh, tides and, and direction of the market. We're coming up. Future of Supply Chain is coming up in Cleveland, Ohio on June 22nd to June 23rd. If you're interested in what the future of supply chain looks like, be sure to get tickets. They are available now. We have a great lineup and great entertainment. Cleveland's an incredible city in the summer. Highly recommend that you show up. We're going to really dive into not only venture and innovation, but all the things taking place across the supply chain. So we'll see you there. And with that, we'll, uh, we'll connect in the future. <laughs>